From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis and the Mississippi Delta for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation and Memphis Tourism. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. This week on the program, we feature soul sensation Brian Owens and the Deacons of Soul. We'll hear an unforgettable live performance captured at the Levitt Shell in Memphis, and we'll sit down and catch up with Brian later in the program. Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee. It's brought to you by the Blues Foundation. That's all coming up right now on Beale Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, Kevin. Brian Owens and the Deacons of Soul are making their very first appearance on our show this week. The performance our audience is about to experience is unreal. Owens is a uniquely gifted artist. He is an amazing talent. I don't recall another program where we've had so much inquiry after the concert leading up to the air date. It feels like everyone who was at the Levitt Shell in Overton Park has emailed or Facebooked us asking when this will air. Brian Owens comes to us from his hometown of St. Louis, our Mississippi River cousin to the north. Much like our Rivertown neighbor to the south, New Orleans, it's a city long associated with the sounds of the African-American created genres of blues, jazz, gospel, and soul. The world first caught wind of Owens several years ago while serving overseas in the U.S. Air Force. The YouTube video of his band surfaced. It became a viral hit, and the band was invited to perform on several talk shows. Owens' talent and charisma immediately stood out. I don't think you can help yourself when you're at one of his shows. You have to wonder, is this what it was like to see Otis Redding and Al Green back in the day in their prime? It's pretty amazing. He's just a few studio efforts into his solo career now. His debut album, called Moods and Messages, was released in 2012. In 2017, he released an album inspired by the tragedy and aftermath in Ferguson, Missouri. Last year, he also released an album called Soul of Cash, a soulful reimagining of works from Johnny Cash's catalog. You've got to hear that one to believe it. It's pretty amazing. Here's Brian Owens and the Deacons of Soul, live on Beale Street Caravan. How you doing,
Since we're here in Memphis, we got any Johnny Cash fans in the house tonight? Any Johnny Cash fans tonight?
said, son, what is your alibi? Because if you were somewhere else, then you won't have to die. Well, I spoke not a word, though it meant my life. Because I had been in the arms of my best friend. Wife. And she, she was
Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation and is also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. This week, we learn about one of the pioneers of rock and roll, Roy Brown. If you ever wondered how the blues became rock and roll, there's two words you need to know. Roy Brown. Lots of folks forgot about Roy Brown. They think the Stones dug Mighty Waters, the Beatles dug Howlin' Wolf, Elvis dug Big Boy Crudup, and that's it. Nothing wrong with any of that as far as truth goes, it's true. But rock and roll didn't travel that way. To feel where rock and roll came from, you got to walk in a blown out pair of shoes resold with cardboard. That's what Roy Brown wore into New Orleans. He carried nothing but a song. It was all he had after hopping the red-eyed greyhound out of Galveston. When that hound pulled into the Crescent City, Roy checked the paper and saw that his idol was in town. Roy thought, if I ever get to be a blues singer, I'd like to be that guy. He's good and he knows it. He just takes charge. Roy picked up a brown paper sack, scribbling down the words to his song, and hoped Wynoni Harris would buy it. He started hoofing on those cardboard soles from the bus terminal uptown and thought about his song. It first came to be as a jingle for the place Roy used to work in Galveston, Club Grenada, part cat house, part nightclub, part reefer store. Roy Brown sang with the house band, the Melodiers, mostly Sinatra and Bing. The lady who ran the Grenada asked him to do a ditty over the radio to advertise the place, make it sound fun. Roy had no problem inventing a colorful cast of characters. Sweet Lorraine, Sioux City Sue, Elder Brown, and Caldonia, too, that partied at Club Grenada. After all, his mama's name was True Love Brown. Now, to cleverly explain what was going on, but in code, he couldn't come right out and say reefer and playgirls. It came to him. I heard the news. There's good rockin' tonight. He sold the people of Galveston on the rockin' concept. They came to Club Grenada and rocked. Roy felt confident about that. Now would the same thing work for Wynoni Harris? Roy walked toward a building, three stories of gray stone, pink siding, and blurry cube windows, the rainbow room. He pushed through the door and saw Wynoni sitting at the bar. Up close, Wynoni looked every bit as flamboyant, brash, and dashing as he sounded on the jukebox. Wynoni smoked and joked with the fans while a lump grew in Roy's throat. Roy just stood there on his cardboard soles, torn paper sack in hand. Wynoni turned a gray eye toward him. What's this? I got a song, Roy said. Wynoni flailed his arms on not another one of these songs. Yes, I want you to hear it. Wynoni walked off. Don't bother me, son. Roy folded up his sack and left. He wandered down the street toward the next club. It was 2.30 in the morning. Out of the dewdrop in, Roy heard a piano fire like a machine gun, and that meant only one thing, Cecil Gant. When Gant stepped off stage and lit up, he walked right into Roy, who threw the same pitch that sent Wynoni Harris running. Gant was cool, though. Let me hear, he said. When Roy got through, Gant said, I gotta make a call. Hold on. A minute later, Gant called Roy to the payphone. Sing it, Gant said. 
For who? President Deluxe Records. Roy Brown uncorked his loudest good rocking tonight into the cigarette stinking receiver, and after he finished, heard nothing. After what felt like forever, Mr. Deluxe cleared his throat. <clears throat> Will you sing it once more? This time, Mr. Deluxe told Roy to get Gant back on the line. Gant heard the president say, Give him $50, don't let him out of your sight. Within weeks, Roy's new record blared out of every jukebox along Rampart Street. He caught on as artist-in-residence at Club Downbeat, where he shouted the blues until sunrise. He made 10 bucks a night, had a room above the dance hall, and all the girls on blackberry wine he could handle. Not even Wynoni Harris could ignore those results. Now, Wynoni had to pay for the privilege to sing a song he could have owned for pocket change. Roy cut his good rockin' in mellow mode. He sang it in that Sinatra Bing swing from Galveston days. Wynoni turned the heat up a little. Now, the two versions battled in Billboard magazine's top 15 and began a revolution. If Wynoni wanted to jump Roy's claim, that was all right. But Roy thought he might just have to cop some of Wynoni's style in return. Roy hit back with his record, Mighty Mighty Man. Now he had attitude, rockin' lingo, and could outshout Wynoni Harris himself. Well, I'm a mighty, mighty man. I'm young and I'm in my prime. Yes, I'm a mighty, mighty man. The music world didn't quite know what to make of Roy's sound. Billboard described his rock and blues shout sandwiched between some woolly jazz licks. One news story hollered, Roy Brown puts blues singing on a new kick. Roy sings the blues with a spiritual shouting rhythm. Roy put together a group called the Mighty Mighty Men and headed out on the Chitlin circuit. Their record smoked so hot, Mr. Good Rockin' and the Mighty Mighty Men played to packed houses from their home turf in New Orleans up to Beale Street in Memphis, all the way to the Crown Jewel. They stormed the Apollo in Harlem. Before the notoriously cold audience even knew what was happening, Tenor sax man Leroy Rankins swung out of the rafters onto the stage and the mighty, mighty men appeared all dressed in matching purple suits, blowing the roof off. That night, Leroy Rankins became known as Batman. Roy totally bypassed the MC and provided his own introduction. Good rockin', that's my name. They're gonna put my rock in the Hall of Fame. He sweat through four suits per hour and lost 10 pounds a day working the Apollo. Roy's wife came to see the show for the first time. Afterwards, they sat in a cafe together. The waiter set down a tray of two whole chickens and two orders of fries. Roy's wife said, You know I don't eat much. I doubt we each need our own chicken. He told her, You order what you want. That's for me. Roy and his mighty men rocked the circuit from the Apollo all the way down to Haney's Big House, a juke joint in Faraday, Louisiana. Two teenage cousins, born months apart, biked through the Faraday night searching for trouble. They stopped off at Haney's. Their uncle Lee owned the place. Both kids carried their uncle's name. 
But not even that could get Jimmy Lee Swagger and Jerry Lee Lewis admission to the big house. Outside in the darkness, they could see beams of neon light glowing between the crack slats in the wall. They heard the PA spark and felt music and dancing vibrate the whole building. Haney's big house rocked. Jimmy Lee and Jerry Lee peeked through the windows. Liquor bottles stood tall behind the bar. Slot machines blinked. On stage, six men in purple suits jumped and kicked in time while a guy hopped from the bar to a table wailing tenor sax. Consider their young minds blown. Many years down the road, after Roy and Batman and the rest of the Mighty Mighties had gone on, somebody asked Jerry Lee what he saw. It was like strolling through heaven, he said. Jerry Lee struggled with how to explain, same as Billboard did in the late 40s. It was like giving birth to a new music that people needed to hear, he said. But even this explanation fell short. Finally, it became clear. Rock and roll, Jerry Lee said. That's what it was. Roy Brown and his mighty, mighty men left Faraday and headed for a recording date in Dallas. They had toured for nearly a full solid year, rarely catching a night off, but they had their chemistry down. They knew exactly what drove crowds wild down to the note. In Dallas, they put it all on wax, the overpowering intensity of Batman swinging from the stage curtains, hands clapping like the devil's choir, and Roy chanting for the people to rock this joint, tear off the roof. Now, Roy was good, and he knew it. He just took charge. He'd never walk in cardboard sole shoes again. Roy rocked so strong and steady, White musicians only took six more years to catch on. Well, I heard the news. That's good to rock it tonight. Well, I heard the news. That's good to rock it tonight. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation. Written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. Street Caravan has been bringing the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. I Listen to Memphis is about Memphis music today, the musicians who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. 
Again, it's iListenToMemphis.com. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and many other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from Memphis Tourism, Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and for those of you just tuning in, we're featuring Brian Owens and the Deacons of Soul on this week's program. In 2017, Owens released an album called Soul of Cash. Owens connects deeply with the music of the Memphis music icon, Johnny Cash. But not just his music, it's the man himself, his life story, his trials and tribulations. It was actually seeing Johnny Cash perform the gospel standard, I Saw the Light, while making a guest appearance on an episode of Columbo that inspired an 11-year-old Brian Owens to pursue music in the first place. He rediscovered Cash's music in his late 20s, and it took hold again. So much so that he began introducing some of his favorite Cash tunes to his band. The result is the studio effort, Soul of Cash, a reimagining reworking of selections from the Cash catalog. We'll kick off the second half of the show with one of those cuts. Here's Brian Owens and the Deacons of Soul live on Bill Street Caravan. We recorded an album uh, last year that we uh, really enjoyed, really proud of. I want to do some cuts from that, uh, from an album titled The Soul of Cash. We're going to start off with one of the most famous by the men in black. See if you can guess what it Sweet. Mm. When hearts like our 
We're going to take a break from music and we are backstage at the Levitt Shell in Memphis, Tennessee. And wow, I'm excited. You're from St. Louis, right up the road from Memphis and strong connection between the two because of the Mississippi River. And you were St. Louis born and raised? Uh, for the most part, I call it the St. Louis metropolitan area. I'm actually from Illinois on the east side. So yeah. like about five minutes from East St. Louis. All of my family is really from that part of Southern Illinois. I can tour from anywhere. I can make records from anywhere. People can come in to me and make records with me. So I think for me, it's more about quality of life, where I want to raise a family, where I have a strong faith community. I'd be crazy to leave St. Louis for my career. So if I'm going to have a career, it has to be from St. Louis. That sense of family that you like to surround yourself with, how does one find those people or do they find you? I've learned enough and seen enough to just trust God, and it's like, it'll work out. It usually does, and it'll work out better than if I planned it. I got a great band, we get along great. How long has this incarnation of the band been together? In some form or another, probably for like five or six years, give or, t give or take. 
is everyone contributing the songwriting or do you just take the music into them? It's been a mix, primarily a lot of the original stuff I would write it and bring it in. A lot of stuff we make up on the spot in the show, which is fun. I'm getting ready to have a more formalized process of writing and all that kind of stuff for my next record. So it's just playing around, you know, I think as we begin to branch off into other things like the Deacons of Soul, like they're such a strong unit. I love for them to like have their own thing. And the First Ladies, who are the background core, they're such a strong unit. I love for them to do something with the Deacons, like without me. So I think as we start to like delve into exploring music in those types of ways, it'll be cool to see, you know, just turning over the reins and letting them do what they do. Cause they're all, they all can write, they can produce. They played on tons of records. I mean, I spent the last couple years producing and writing records and it was a lot doing yeah. it. You know, even though I work with some people, but for the most part, it was me. And I think now I'm at a point where I have other things going on in my life. I have a nonprofit that I run and those things pull at me as well. And so I want to take advantage of a more collaborative process so I don't have to bear all the weight of it. Yeah. Um, and so that I can, you know, be able to develop opportunities for everyone in ways that don't necessarily directly relate to the music.
So you started playing in the church. Give me a little bit of your history as growing to this moment. I mean, I, yeah, I grew up singing in church and like singing for me was just something that we all did. It wasn't something that I was gonna do for a living. I wanted to play basketball. And so I wanted to go to college and play ball and do all that kind of stuff. And then I started gigging probably like when I was like 16, 17. Mm -hmm. That started to interfere with basketball my senior year too. So I didn't play my senior year. And then that's when I really started getting to the idea of, wait, I'm not gonna go to college to play ball, but I can go to college for music. Mm -hmm. And then that's kind of when I really started falling into the idea of being a professional singer. And I wanted to be a jazz singer. Huh. Like so many of uh, my predecessors and the people that have kind of indirectly and directly spoken into who I am as an artist. Like, it was one, I wanted to be a jazz singer like Nat King Cole, right? That's what yeah. Sam Cooke wanted, that's what Ray Charles wanted, that's what Marvin Gaye wanted. And eventually, through he and the other individuals, you know, found my own voice. I think I'm getting closer to really finding out who I am vocally, borrowing from a lot of people. Most of the things I'm doing in my life right now, I never really want, intended on doing them. I didn't plan anything hardly. It's just like, we'll see what happens. Um, obviously, I'm finding a better balance with that because you can't run a nonprofit and not plan. I just want to know, how did you get to of all the things you could have done, but you chose Johnny Cash? It was, it was kind of on accident. So I had a concert series in St. Louis called the Master Series. And I was doing artists who had an influence on me and the approach was to treat them as if they were a collegiate course and I was getting my doctorate in them. So I was like really wanting to study them. So it's like Ray Charles and Otis Redding and Sam Cooke and Marvin Gaye. And then for some reason around that same time I was getting into Johnny Cash and I was like, I love him as a writer. I connect with Johnny Cash on so many different levels, especially on a spirit from the spiritual side and a lot of the hymns that he did with the Statler brothers and the Carter family. I was like, man, we're gonna do a Johnny Cash show. So when I did the show, you know, I always tried to stay as true as I could to the way that the artist performed it from, for the most part, which was easy for the other stuff because a lot of it was already in my voice. Now, I do a decent Johnny Cash, but the problem is that, unlike the other artists that I mentioned, his voice was lower than mine. Mm -hmm. So there was a part in the show where, it was Walk the Line, where it keeps modulating. And I was like, I cannot go down. Like, I can't, so what am I gonna do? So literally, in the show, I was like, you know, anybody remember the show CMT Crossroads? And people were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, well, you know, it would have been so cool to do a Crossroads with Johnny Cash. I wonder what it would have sound like if, I, if we did that. Well, let's find out tonight. So to get around the lower modulations, I would just sing it the octave up in my own voice. Mm -hmm. So someone came up to me after the show and they said, I love the show, everything was great. My favorite part is when you sang Johnny Cash in your own voice. I would love to hear you do a whole show or an album where you just sing Johnny Cash in your voice. Yeah. So for this entire record, the keys are the same as Johnny's. The only thing I did is I changed the feel and I sang it up the octave. That's it. I don't do runs, I don't do, I just like, and really, it really helped me f further discover my voice and a deeper sense of who I am as a vocalist because it wasn't, there's no comparison. If I sing Marvin Gaye, there's comparison. Yeah. If I, if I did a Sam Cooke record or a Nat King Cole record, there's comparison because so much of the palette of my voice is made up of those colors. But when I sing the Johnny Cash, there's nothing to compare it to because I can't sing it like him. So truly I had to sing it like myself. Here's more from Brian Owens and the Deacons of Soul live on Bill Street Caravan. 
gonna continue with another tune from my solo cash record. a close watch on this heart of mine I keep my eyes wide open all the time I keep the ends out for the tie that binds because you're mine I walk the line got a way to keep me on your side you give me cause for love that I can't hide for you I know I try to turn the tide all because you're
Y'all still good? It's cooled off now, so you shouldn't have a problem clapping. Uh. That was Brian Owens and the Deacons of Soul live on Bill Street Caravan. To learn more about Brian Owens and the Deacons of Soul, go to brianowenssoul.com. And be sure to check out his tour dates. Chances are they're coming to a venue near you very soon. 
special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, Memphis Tourism, Arts Memphis, Tennessee Arts Commission, and Tennessee Tourism for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public radio. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. We want to remind our listeners you can find Bill Street Caravan on all social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use hashtag iListenToMemphis. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week. So until then, I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. You've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Mm -hmm.